Hey, I'm Pastor Diogo Carvalho, missionary at the Home Mission Board of the Brazilian Baptist Convention and professor of missiology at the Baptist Theological Seminary in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Welcome to the Missional Thinking Podcast. Missional Thinking It's so good that you have been following our programs. Today, we will start talking about horizontal discipleship, or missionary discipleship, as David Bosch calls it. That kind of discipleship related to the making of disciples, as found in Matthew 28:19. But from the start, I'd like to say that I don't think there is a consensus among evangelicals on what it means to disciple in light of the disciple-making command. In my research, I have identified at least three branches of horizontal discipleship, each of them very interesting. Starting this week, I'm going to approach each one of them and let them talk to each other through the voices of their main authors. I hope that together we can come to the conclusion that they are complementary, not exclusive approaches, as well as understand that we should implement all them in the church today in an integrated and balanced way. The key question that separates these three branches is who disciples? For the first branch, the answer is the church as a whole. Let's see how this works. The main author of this view on discipleship is the North American pastor Mark Dever, who is well known for his series Nine Marks. For me, he's one of the greatest Baptist ecclesiologists of our time. His books are very good and rescue forgotten Baptist principles regarding what a local church is and how it is supposed to operate. These principles were much esteemed in the past, but they have been challenged by new modern tendencies. Dever talks about some seemingly obvious aspects of Baptist ecclesiology, because unfortunately it seems like the obvious has become rare, and this is why we need to hear and speak the obvious one more time. When I first read what Dever had written about evangelism and discipleship, I confess I thought it a little limited. In one of his books entitled The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, Dever said that the new believer's discipleship implies sitting under the preaching of the word, being baptized, participating in the Lord's Supper, praying, studying the Bible, repenting, and believing. When I read the word sitting there, it seemed to me to be too little that we simply take the believer and just put him on a bench to join the services and activities of the church. But after I read other books of the author, I realized that he doesn't advocate such a passive discipleship. He just reinforces an aspect of discipleship that seems to be very distant for us today, and I wonder why. Perhaps it is because we have bent so much towards a multiplying discipleship that we eventually begun to neglect the roles of the preaching of the word, church discipline, and membership on the formation of disciples. If we don't want to take this risk, I believe we should read and listen more to Mark Dever. For Dever, churches fulfill the Great Commission and discipling is their job. 
In his own words, the Bible teaches that the local church is the natural environment for discipling. In fact, it teaches that the local church is itself the basic discipler of Christians. He assumes that growing the Christian life is not an individual issue, but something that involves the whole church. Well, if we consider texts like Ephesians 4, we can see clearly that Christian maturity until the complete stature of Christ is not a solo goal, but an objective that should be achieved by the church as a whole. Looking at it from this angle, Mark Dever is right when he states that the church is discipling even when it just gathers its members at weekly services. For him, the work of discipleship begins with the act of gathering. And he argues that the gather assembly has the authority for confirming who belongs to the body of Christ, that is, who is a disciple. Doing so, the church establishes a context of accountability for discipleship. This is very interesting and will be even more. For Dever, there is a close connection between discipleship and a biblical understanding on membership because it's membership that defines the circle of those who are under church discipline and those who are not. Discipline, in this sense, has to do with that commitment we accept when we join the local church of continuing to grow together as disciples. And this commitment should keep anyone from falling behind, unless they are intent upon backsliding, and in this case there isn't much anyone can do. In reality, Corporate discipleship, as Dever proposes, is very similar to church formative discipline. By the way, church discipline itself is an out-of-fashion concept that we need to recover. Let's think together. The ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, they disciple. Like Dever teaches, through the administration of baptism in the Lord's Supper by the church, we recognize each other as believers, and this provides a spiritual accountability which is beneficial for the discipling relationships. Have you ever thought about this? Baptism disciples because it delineates those who are and are not in the church's discipleship. Biblical membership is not a gradient effect. It is a well-defined edge, as we can see in Matthew 18, when Jesus talks about considering an impenitent brother as no longer a brother. And 1 Corinthians 5.12, when Paul talks about judging the insiders and the outsiders. By the way, in the light of the Great Commission in Matthew 28.19, baptism is clearly connected to the act of making a disciple. So, baptism disciples. What about the Lord's Supper? It also disciples, because when we celebrate it, the disciples are stimulated to reflect on the walk with Christ and to renew their commitment to follow Him. Besides, the Lord's Supper itself is a visible reference of who is and who is not a disciple, considering who is and who is not allowed to take part in it. What baptism does only once Defining the circle of disciples, the Lord's Supper does every time it's served. Therefore, participating in the Supper is a discipling act. Wasn't it so when Jesus gathered his disciples in the night when he broke the bread with them? Jesus was discipling them by that, wasn't he?
Another means of corporate discipleship is through pastors, men chosen by God for the purpose of preaching the word. Here we come back to the initial idea of discipleship as the act of sitting under the teaching of a sermon. Although following implies movement and nobody can be a disciple just by standing in the same place, we must agree with Dever when he associates the last part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that is, that duty of teaching the disciples to obey everything Jesus said, with the teaching provided by the pastors through the ministry of the Word. Sermons are not the entire teaching of the church, but they are truly an integral part of it. This is why Dever is so enthusiastic about expository preaching as a central element of the worship service and the primary aspect of corporate discipleship. Indeed, strong churches have strong pulpits. Small groups and one-on-one -on -one discipleship cannot diminish the importance of faithful, powerful preaching of God's word through those he has chosen and equipped for the task. Truly, anyone who has tried the integration between the pulpit and small groups through sermon-based small group scripts can testify how these two environments of discipleship complement each other. On Sunday, the church listens and reflects about the message, and during the week, the church regathers and applies the same message in small groups. This system has revealed itself to be very effective in churches that are involved with the multiplying church vision in Brazil. Despite his emphasis on preaching, Mark Dever clarifies that promoting discipleship or spiritual growth is not an exclusively pastoral task. For him, the New Testament shows that following Jesus involves mutual care among church members. Therefore, he proposes what he calls a culture of discipling, which is characterized by the interest of each member in the spiritual status of the others. It works this way. Members are encouraged to meet in small groups during the week to share their impressions and insights about the Sunday sermon teach one another, and be accountable to each other. While I was working on this podcast, I saw a Twitter quote by Mark Dever that said, quote, A culture of discipling in your church is like the wind. Biblical church polity is the sail that catches the wind and drives the church forward. I was amazed by this quote, and I asked him to clarify what he meant by that analogy, and he sent me this audio, Listen carefully. Hey, Diego. Caleb told me about his interaction with you. He's appreciated uh, sharpening and understanding more. And I said something the other day. He asked me if I'd repeat for purpose of your guys' discussion. It was simply this. Uh, people were talking about the culture of discipling, which is the way we talk about having a church where every member understands that every other member, in theory, is their responsibility and that they should be working for not only their own spiritual benefit, but that part of their own following of Christ is trying to help others follow Christ. That means both evangelism, but also building up the believers in the church. And that's not unrelated to polity. And when we were in a polity discussion the other day, and people were talking about the goodness of congregational church polity, I said, yeah, polity is kind of like the sail in an old sailing vessel, but our culture of discipling is the wind that the sail catches. So you're trying to look for what is that polity that will take and harness that spiritual energy and vitality uh, that's there in the congregational life. So the kind of competent to counsel one another, uh, Romans 15, instruct one another through Psalm and Ephesians, 
that sort of active concern for each other is really well experienced and expressed in the congregationalism that I think you see in Matthew 18 and Galatians 1 implied and 2 Corinthians 2 explicitly and 2 Timothy 4, 3 explicitly and other places. Anyway, Caleb just wanted to talk to you about, uh, repeat that combination of how the, the culture of, of the active discipling of one another meshes with, supplements the polity and how the polity itself doesn't create the wind. The sail won't create the wind. You have congregations, but if you have a carnal church, it's not going to do anything. Um, but with a culture of active discipling, it really moves things along. And that's both my understanding scripturally and also my experience. Hope you're well, brother. It was really interesting the way Mark Dever articulated this relationship between the congregational leadership structure with the culture of discipling. However, as far as I'm concerned, this discipling culture could be even more effective if this gathering in small groups was not only spontaneous, but if it was a deliberate initiative, beginning with the pastor and being multiplied to the rest of the church as a way of being the church, as we can see in cell churches. But this is a matter for the next week. Today, our matter is corporate discipleship as proposed by Mark Dever. While studying these branches of discipleship, I have noticed that many times pastors and leaders set their minds on one of them and simply don't see the others. When I look at the three branches, which are corporate, small group discipleship, and one-on-one discipleship, my perception is that the one which is ignored the most is this one we have been talking about today, Mark Dever's corporate discipleship. Maybe our tendency of ignoring the crucial relationship between discipleship and church gatherings with biblical sermons comes from the fact that the very word discipline as well as the whole concept of membership are gradually eroding away in our church culture. Maybe we have become so tired of the traditional practice of membership, which has turned church members in mere attendees, that we started associating church discipline and membership with negative things. Though they don't cover everything concerning discipleship in the local church, they are not negative things at all. On the contrary, preaching God's word, discipline, and accountability among the whole church are extremely important elements for the spiritual growth of all members as one body. As I have visited many churches here in Brazil, I have seen some churches whose Sunday sermons were mostly centered in motivating members to evangelize and overcome the difficulties of life. Of course, these are important matters, but I wonder if it matches with the whole counsel of God that we find in Acts 20, 27. I don't think so. The Bible is so rich and there are so many subjects inside it that if we ever hope to preach everything Jesus commanded us from Matthew 28, we cannot keep preaching to the same tune. Therefore, if you are listening to me right now and you are used to reading only material on small groups and one-on-one discipling, I'd like to encourage you to read more of Mark Dever's books. 
On the other hand, if all that you have read about discipleship comes from the corporate discipling perspective, maybe you should read different approaches, mainly the authors of small groups and one-on-one discipleship, and wait for the next episodes. They will be made especially for you. Let's keep thinking missionally together. God bless you.